Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today, Diane Ng, another Vancouverite. I love it when I uh, interview my hometown girls. Uh, We're going to be talking about the labyrinth today. What is a labyrinth? Uh, what is a labyrinth expert? Um, here's another tool for you. Here's another avenue for you to explore. Does it fit your lifestyle? Is it going to help you find that inner peace? Is it going to help you find that distressor? Something that just helps you travel from within out. You know, there are so many tools out there. And yeah, you're going to try this one and that one until you find one that is just right. And here is another one for you that might fit your lifestyle and fit what you are needing. We're going to discover what a labyrinth is and how it works, what it does for you. Right now in uh, Surrey, BC, in Canada, there actually is a labyrinth park. And we're going to find out all about what a labyrinth is, but it's a place that you can walk and this particular way that you walk and a particular mindset that you have. But there's an actual physical park there. But this is something you can go and do on the beach. It's also something you can have in your hand. Uh, There's many avenues to being able to use this. Uh, So we're going to discover more and more about how it can help you. But, you know, it can help you find calm. It can sharpen your focus, um, improving morale, um, healing grief, facilitating reflection, um, highlighting creativity. So, you know, if there's something out there that does that for you, it's certainly worth giving a try, isn't it? So how did Diane come across this? What made her uh, seek this out? She's an an award-winning consultant. Uh, She's uh, won the YMCA Power of Peace Award, um, the finalist uh, for the Woman of Worth Spiritual Success and Soul Award. Um, She's been she's a registered nurse with a master's degree in leadership, and she blends her work in with you know health and well-being and communications and spirituality and leadership, and she also holds the certification in a labyrinth facilitator trainer. So what is a labyrinth? How can we use it? What can it do for us? And how did it all start for Diane? Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah, for giving me this opportunity to share with the world about labyrinths. And I'm delighted to be here. Well, thank you. And Labyrinth, let's first tell everybody, I mean, it's a lovely name and one kind of thinks of an exotic movie uh, when you hear it. Um, And certainly something that feels a little kind of old age. So how about you tell people what a labyrinth is first? Actually, a labyrinth is a pathway for mindfulness and walking meditation. I was first introduced to it when I was in graduate school. One of my other colleagues, she took chalk and drew a pattern on an empty a black asphalt parking lot. Uh, she didn't tell us what it was about. And uh, that was my first contact with this circular pattern on a ground. And so what does that circular pattern mean? Well, it's a pathway. All you have to do is follow it. It it has uh, switchbacks. And by walking the labyrinth, it helps us to find calm and peace. Uh, A lot of folks use it for other purposes as well. Like? Uh, Such as for uh, decision-making or for uh, finding calm. for feeling more focused. Uh, I know an executive woman who puts a one of my wooden finger labyrinths in her drawer and she would follow her finger on this wooden labyrinth just prior to going into a tense meeting. She says it helps her stay to stay grounded and focused. So, you know, we always say to people that going for a walk is a wonderful way of releasing stress and, and just, you know, kind of spending any emotions or inviting things in. It, you know, it's not only healthy for us, it's, you know, it's wellness completely, mind, body and soul. But, you know, sometimes people uh, don't have like a big place to walk or a nice place to walk. And by having kind of a labyrinth in a park or doing it on a beach or, or you know, even in your backyard, 
um, you can just kind of walk around in these circles, but there's a particular kind of mindset that you have in doing so, isn't there? Yes. Uh, I, I encourage folks to take a couple of deep breaths at the entrance of the labyrinth. It just sets the uh, intention to be present. And the deep breaths helps connects us to the present. And I encourage people to just follow the path, putting one foot in front of the other. Actually, the path, uh, the labyrinth is a metaphor for the journey of life. And by walking the labyrinth, we are entering our inner interior landscape. And at the entrance, what we're doing is symbolically leaving the exterior world for entrance into our interior world. And by the time you get to the center, the center is symbolic again for who you are, what you stand for, your values, your principles. And when you're done with being in the center or when you're ready to leave the center, you follow the same path back out leaving your interior world back into the exterior world. And folks who walk the labyrinth tells me that they often find some sort of gift, either in terms of a, uh, in terms of uh, being more peaceful, being more tranquil, or having an answer sometimes, or an insight. I mean, most of the time, you know, the universe is trying to speak to us. You know, there's always an answer, but we get in our own way. You know, we get caught up in a, in a mind thing, the what if, um, but what if, but what if, and we go around on a treadmill. And we need to step away and outside of ourselves sometimes in order to allow the answer to come to us. And it, it kind of sounds like this labyrinth walking in a lot of ways is rather hypnotic. Well, the switchbacks going back and forth, um, left and right, there is scientific uh, explanation in that we summon our right brain to, uh, to meet the left brain. So we get balanced thinking. We live in a world that's more about logic and about facts, and it suppresses our intuition, our emotions, which are also other um, information. Yeah, I always say that if you can't bring your soul, heart and spirit into the conversation, um, you know, you're just having only one perspective. You know, the soul is the divine intellect. You know, the heart is that resonance of consciousness. The spirit is, is knowing what action to take. And we really need to incorporate all of it, don't we, in order to truly understand the knowledge that we're receiving. Yes. You have a lovely way of saying saying that. I, I, I just it's lovely. I just see it as a, a way of whole brain thinking, being, um, you know, getting all the information you need and uh, making a decision. I know a lot of folks have walked labyrinths for uh, problems they can't resolve or they don't know what to do. They're so confused. And again, like what you say, they're so caught up in their heads. They've got this dialogue going that can go on for days and days and days. Nobody knows what's going on. And, um, you know, if you just stop, step away, get out of your head, and allow things to happen, an insight, an answer might be waiting there for you. It's like when you're trying to remember something, and the more you think about it, you're just not going to get it. But then if you step away and continue with the conversation, all of a sudden it bursts out of your head what you're trying to remember. And, yes. and, and it's because you've allowed your subconscious to kind of, you know, quite, you know, come up to the forefront rather than your conscience constantly being in the way. Um, yes. You know, we have to remember that our brains are kind of like informational sponges. They take in information. Yes. And then it's going to regurgitate information out to you of what you need at the time. But if you're sending the wrong message or you're trying to find the, you know, the wrong information, um, y you're going to get the wrong information coming out. So um, we really need, as I say, need to step outside of the brain, I think, sometimes. And then just the heart speaks volumes. Uh, you know, the soul is that divine intellect where that's that intuitiveness that comes to us and, and of course our spirit just then knows when it's right so yeah. we have to trust that and 
we have to find that something for us that gets us into that rhythm, right? Because yeah. in a sense, this walking the labyrinth is like a, a rhythmical type thing. That's why I say kind of hypnotic, because you're walking around in a circle, but you're walking around in a circle with purpose. And like each circle is, is a representation of something. Uh, well, there are different types of labyrinths. There are different types of labyrinths. The oldest one is the um, the chart chart uh, uh, labyrinth found in France, and um, and um, that one in the middle of the labyrinth there are seven uh, petals, and each petal is, stands for uh, each day of um, creation. A new creation for each day, and um, the labyrinth that I built with the city of Surrey. It's called the creatinine labyrinth. It has a seven paths, and I've chose that one as pieces of it have been found all over the world in different cultures, uh, including Peru, um, Egypt. South America, and of course in Europe, uh, they have even found pieces of it in Nepal. And because it's so diverse, I feel that type of labyrinth represents our diverse population here in the Lower Mainland. And I chose that one and incur and um, built that one with the city of Surrey. And, uh, you know, a, a lovely thing for them to accept as well, because obviously this is, you know, new age thinking, even though everything comes from, you know, old um, um, ancient uh, rituals, um, you know, to, to accept this in a city and realizing that it can offer its occupants something is, uh, is really, you know, uh, forward thinking. Yes. Well, it, it is very progressive thinking. I'm, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, stress is ubiquitous we all experience stress I think the second you know you leave your household you're in traffic that causes a certain amount of stress uh, even buying groceries is no longer easy you push around <laughs> this card and there's lots of people in the grocery store I mean <laughs> oftentimes I get other people so focused in what they're doing they wham into me with their shopping cart and don't even know it yeah stress is everywhere and I offer the labyrinth as another tool, another method to stay calm, uh, have a be open, have a much larger perspective. I mean, I would imagine, you know, having this on the beach with the, the sound of the waves, you know, and that lovely crisp sea air, you know, would be absolutely wonderful. Yes, it's going to get washed away every day, but yes. um, then, you know, then you've got those of that kind of lovely kind of methodical, you know, entombment of, of rebuilding it every day. Um, you know, I imagine that is just something that's because I'm, you know, I love the ocean smell and the and the wave sounds. I mean, that's already got me. But then to have this something, you know, that kind of helps you focus would actually be rather lovely. Yes, you're reminding me of um, one summer I spent with my family uh, on the beach. Uh, we were just camping down in uh, Portland, and you, and you know they have miles and miles of flat beaches. Uh, I took a, a tree branch and I drew a labyrinth on the sand, and I mean I just walked in. And again, I love being with nature, and I encourage others to get out just to experience the crisp air, uh, the sound of the waves, uh, the the birds flapping away, the warm sun. That is healing in itself. Yeah. And after I drew the uh, labyrinth, um, a lot of passersby, you know, looked at it and they were curious and they too walked the labyrinth without me telling them or teaching them or anything. They just loved it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of if you think about it, you know, the, the whole design of it, kind of the, the circles going around and around. It is rather hypnotic, you know, we kind of think about to the psychedelic days, you know, where they yes. used to do these twirlies all the time. Uh, even look at, you know, um, um, alien crops, always done in that kind of circular type thing. Um, you know, it's it's a pattern, you know, as kind of that representation of continuing of life, um, but the unraveling 
of life as you go. It's kind of comforting in many ways, isn't it? Yes. Well, the circle is a powerful symbol. Mm. Uh, doesn't matter which where you're from, it um, or it's a timeless, powerful symbol. You know, for no beginning, for no ending. Uh, life just goes on, and it uh, has um, connotations of cycles. Um, yes, it's a very powerful symbol. I say um, it symbolizes community. We're all in it together. Um, there's no breaking, no, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, about connecting. It is a powerful symbol. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like, I think what we are always looking for, I think what we also understand, the beginning and the end is inevitable. There's always going to be an end, which always brings about a new beginning that always will bring about a, another end. And, yeah. you know, that cycle of life is in everything we do we get up in the morning we have our day we go to bed at night you know every single thing we do has a cycle a circle of life and i think it's kind of understanding that you know if you're having a bad day it's just you know a bad circle okay so kind of look at how you go through that day and changing your mindset if you can't actually walk a labyrinth as you said you could have something that's carved or um, I see you've got something here that looks like it's made out of clay you know have something that's with you if you're on the bus going to work or if you're just walking to work just have it where you just move your hand around it and kind of get your focus in get your groove in um, tuned in so that you can go about your day in a more peaceful manner yes well I have the uh, wooden finger labyrinths that um Available for folks to use, and uh, I know a mom. She's a, a working, uh, a career mother with young kids, and her day is really busy between getting up, getting the kids to school, going to work, coming home, picking up the kids, getting home for supper, and uh, you know making supper. And so she does. She tells me this is what she, how she uses the labyrinth. The first thing she does in the morning is she walks the labyrinth with her finger uh, on the wooden finger labyrinth, and she sets her intention for the day. This is how I'm going. This is what I would like to be, or or how I wish the day to go. And then when she comes back, when she comes home from work, she does the same thing again to set the intention that she is now at home. She is into the mother role. She's transitioned out of the employee role, and before she goes to bed, she does the finger labyrinth again, and it help. She tells me it helps her quiet her mind, and she sleeps better. So it it really is a powerful method for uh, certain people. Yeah, and I see that you know. I mean, you have them have them for sale in many different ways. You have the eight inch diameter wooden one, which people can carry around. You've even got rubber stamps. You have the huge 19-foot um, um, durable vinyl, so for people you know, who are doing workshops or, you know, um, big groups or big families, you can just fold it out and do it every day. Um, and then you've got a 12-and-a-half diameter wooden one, which is a big one. Um, so there's, you know, different types that people can get. Um, you know, I imagine that these, uh, you know, the having that majestic one at home if you've got a family, um, it's something you can bring out with the kids and kind of even do with them at the end of their school day, the beginning of the evening, um, you know, kind of calming them down, setting them in a different focus. I mean, there's so many ways you can use it, you know, within a family too. Yes, it, yes, definitely within a family unit or within a group. Um, uh, principals have bought uh, the wooden finger labyrinths, the large ones for me, uh, to to um, use with the children when they come to his office. Of course, the kids come to his office that, uh, because they've done something um, not right. The te you know, the teachers send them there or parents send them there. So when they're there, they are they're full of anxiety or anger or uh, fear. He gives them the labyrinth and lets them use it before he has a conversation with them, and he finds it helps. Yes, so it's uh, used to be with any kind of groups, it, 
uh, with the family unit as well. I mean, you've got students today that hit the red bull when they, you know, swatting for an exam. Uh, yes. They, you know, have huge things coming up, deadlines, etc. And of course, that does the body so much harm. You know, yes. accelerates the heart. It's bad for the organs. I mean, just there isn't one single positive thing to say about it. And yes. if they could get, I mean, going to a yoga class or something like this, they maybe don't have time for or money for. You know, having this simple little eight-inch thing that they can just sit for a moment and do take five or ten minutes just to calm down, focus in. It will help them so much in in, in their exams or in their classes and just meeting those needs. Yes, uh, you've drawn so another uh, story. Uh, I know at the university uh, around exam time, around Christmas, the anxiety it is so thick that you can just feel people walking around tense. And like you say, students today, they're striving for top marks. Uh, it's harder to get a job. So exams are, have even more implications. I know a chaplain, he would use um, paint and he would spray paint a labyrinth on grass. And students will just walk um, as they pass by this labyrinth. And he finds it helps them. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's just so lovely. It's just another way. And I know um, um, in my book, there is a library. They have a labyrinth in there uh, for students who, are, who have used, who have been on the computer for a very long time and they're fatigued and, and they, they have a labyrinth in the library for those students to use. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, I, I'm on the computer six to eight hours a day you know running the station and uh, yeah I know I mean there's sometimes it's you get so kind of in a way that the computer is this labyrinth of a different kind yeah <laughs> the way it pulls you in and it's hard to pull away from and so I imagine kind of reaching out to something and just start doing it even while you're on the computer it kind of detaching from one to another you know just it, probably a really good a different type of an addiction for people that might kind of get addictive to what they do, especially computer. Yes. Well, more we know more and more people are using the computer, and there is such a concern about uh, disconnect now with a real face-to-face -face conversation that we're losing that skill. Yeah. And um, yes, that that also is another story, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> we're spending so much time sitting in front of the computer that walking meditation uh, feels really good to move the body, to move the, uh, the information in the body to help integrate what we're learning. Uh, so the labyrinth offers that as a pathway for walking meditation versus sitting meditation. Yeah. I mean, also, if you don't have a labyrinth in your area and you can't do one, having a labyrinth in your hand while you're walking, like having your hand follow the path while you're walking linearly, Yes, I'm working on a small labyrinth for uh, for in-home use, designed for people who live in condominiums and townhouses. Uh, it's on its way. Um, I'm not quite there yet, um, it's, so it's coming. That it would be a smaller canvas, uh, six feet by six feet, that people could roll out and put on their bedroom floor or in their living room uh, uh, to to help them do walking meditation. Um, you know, for me, I like to get out in the fresh air um, and go for a walk. Um, and if there isn't a labyrinth there, I, I can see me using, just having my hand use the hand labyrinth as I'm walking and letting my mind go through the process while my legs are going somewhere else. Yes. Yes. So that's another way of um, doing it. Yes. I think that would be very... Um, very soothing as well. I know there's been a few times when I'm speaking to groups, I, I have moments, use the labyrinth uh, and put my finger in the labyrinth as I speak and it helps me to focus on my thoughts and, and speak. Because it's very easy, especially if, you, if you're a person that picks up energy, um, you know, like when I'm booked for, for a speaking engagement, it's like, well, can I have your script? No, you can have my outline. 
my, you know, I, I'm a person, I'll give an outline to what I'm going to be speaking to, but how actually it comes out is really depending on the energy in the room, because that's yeah. what you pick up. And of course, if you're able to turn the volume up and get that energy going, that's fantastic. And But sometimes you've just got people sitting there, hands, you know, hands crossed, you know, prove something yeah. to me, right? <laughs> you know, hand them a labyrinth for in the meantime. Um, <laughs> um, you know, the, the whole thing is, is, is tapping into that energy and any way we can tap into that energy and make it a beautiful flow because energy needs to move it has to flow we have to flow that energy within ourselves and our mind body and our soul and uh, so anything that keeps that energy from you know keeps it moving forward and being fluid I is of benefit to us all yes definitely definitely uh, moving energy I know when I first started uh, teaching, I, I taught when I was a beginning teacher, I would be very anxious speaking in front of students. And and now, as, as I've become a seasoned speaker, I can pick up on energy and I know how to handle myself and deal with myself, which I attribute to walking meditation. It has helped me to become aware and to manage myself. It's quite a complicated a skill to acquire, to be able to be aware of what's happening in the room, like you see, like you say, uh, to be aware of the energy in the room, to be able to deal with it, and still maintain a very professional uh, demeanor in delivering uh, your your talk. Yeah, it's um, takes it's a it's a skill. It's a very sophisticated skill. And you know the other thing is is, is something that's really really important. Uh, you know, with walking the labyrinth uh, or doing anything is breath. Um, you know that remembering to breathe. You know because people breathe very spasmodically. You know that they just don't get into a rhythm of breath. And uh, what I do sometimes when I'm doing a guest speaking thing is I'll have everybody stand up and do three deep breaths first, and it just helps release everything and gets people in sync. I imagine that if we actually concentrated on our breathing while walking in Labyrinth, um, it would change the rhythm of the breathing as well, and you breathe deeper. And in doing so, that's how you bring the calmness around. Yes, yes. And, you know, when we're tense, we, we tend to tighten our muscles. That includes our, our um, respiratory muscles. Yeah. So it restricts airflow to our bodies. And when... Uh, when I introduce people on how to walk the labyrinth, I get the groups to take a couple of deep breaths, just like you, and bring them into the room. I tell them, mm. I tell them to be here with me, right here and right now, and that really helps to get people's mind open and to be present and experience the labyrinth or my talk for what it is. Yeah, because if you're not going to be a, a participant. You know, why be there? Um, you know, I know that f for a lot of people, and, and you know, I, I'll openly admit it can be for me, is, you know, the chatter in your head going on and on and on. And it's how to switch that off so that you can turn that other volume up of someone speaking to you. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of that is that we have to download, you know, take those breaths, get our, our thoughts, you know, in the, in the right area so you can receive. But we miss the answers so many times because we can't switch off that chatter and focus in on what's being said to us or what the universe is even trying to say to us. Yes. That's what I really like about uh, the labyrinth and get understanding what it means to be present, to fully take in the moment. Uh, when we take in information, the more we talk, the more we talk about um, information or, um, you know, students in a class, they don't, uh, we need to help them to integrate into uh, the information, into their bodies, into themselves. Uh, we all have different perspectives and different experiences. Um, to me, information is just information. It's, <laughs> it's like data. Yeah. How do we make meaning of it? How do we make sense of it? It has to be integrated through our own our own lens of experience, our own our life, our own perspectives. Exactly. It's it's really, really important again there where we you know, we talk about that, you know, having the 
the head, um, listen to the heart, soul, and spirit. Because if we're just listening to the head, it's just as you said, that data of information going over and over, but it doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't yeah. have any uh, uh, understanding of what to do with it. You know, you've got this information, but until you incorporate, you know, the the other perspectives, the soul, heart, and spirit into it, you truly don't understand what that information is for. Yes, yes, yes. That's a good example. Um, I'm looking at. I have a red coffee table, so I can describe it to you. It's red. It's uh, two feet by three feet. But to me, I mean, that's the data. And the meaning making would be it's color red. I love it because it's a symbol of celebration. And because I received it as a gift, it has another piece of meaning to it. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, that's the thing is, is that people say, oh, it's just stuff. Uh, I love antiques. Um, you know, I love the history of furniture. I love the vibration of the, the many years that it survived. You know, it speaks to me. And it's because uh, I love things that go deep, that have a depth. Because in that depth, uh, that resonant vibration, there is so much information that comes out that isn't articulated in the mind, that isn't given to you in a clarification. It's a feeling. And if we stop trying to articulate every feeling and just went with the feeling, I think we would be much better off. Yes. <laughs> get out of our own way right <laughs> yes yes to uh, enjoy the moment to really enjoy the experience to give uh, credibility or validity to our feelings yes you're right so you know you enjoy that red table it means something to you but you don't really need to articulate that to to others because it doesn't mean the same to them so there is there are just there's some emotions that they're just there because they make you feel good and we really don't have to explain them. They just make us feel good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and of course, you're Chinese. So, of course, red is celebration. Um, yes. Brides get married in red. And um, um, I was married to a, to a Chinese gentleman for many years. So, you know, it's a very vibrant um, color that really does represent kind of that life force, doesn't it? Yes. And I... Yeah, I, I do. I, I have a little bit of red in every room. I just like it. Yes. It, it reminds me we need to celebrate that life is good. Life is, to me, life is full. And again, uh, it comes down to perspective, doesn't it? If you, yeah. you know, I always say, yes, there's, there's excuse with the shit going on in the world everywhere. But if we're only going to focus on that and we're not going to focus on the joy of life, those beautiful stories of life, the celebration of life, the reason to live, if we don't focus on that, then our hearts start getting despondent and our spirits start dropping and our soul starts shutting down because all we're seeing is the misery and yeah. the despair. Yes, we acknowledge that's there, but the only way we're going to empower a solution is to feed the joy, to feed the love of life. Yes. You say it so well, Sarah. <laughs> it's, it's true. Our body, our mind, and spirit are all connected. There's no separation. We created the separation um, by our, the need to articulate it. It's, it's one piece. And I have, I know, um, unfortunately, this year I have two friends who have gone into depression. And I, watching them has been very difficult. Um, I've, I've just had a thought now. I have. I don't know how to tell them to uh, reframe some of their thinking, their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And they are in their homes. They're not going out. Uh, they're vi they used to be vibrant women, you know, all made up, look good. Uh, now they're hiding in the house. They're not doing their hair or their nails, so they don't want to go out. Um, it's unfortunate. Well, sometimes that's a chemistry lacking in the body, and so one has to look at that. You know, Q Q yeah. Q96 is brilliant for that, um, yes. which is a nutrient that feeds the brain, and so, of course, it helps a lot with kind of chemical depression um, and, you know, anything else to do kind of with some mental disorders. But an, yeah. an awful lot of it, too, is, and I know, I know this, when you, when you embrace the darkness and you start letting it suck you in, it sucks you in at such a rate that you can't see the light anymore. And, you know, when you have people like that is you don't know what to do for them, but you just have to keep sending them things that you know will hit those happy buttons. 
um, you know, um, if they're on Facebook, you know, uh, animal pictures, ha happy kid pictures, ha you know, happy things. Um, if they're not on Facebook, push things under their door, happy cards, funny things, funny stories, something that that's just going to chisel away at that. Ultimately, they've got to see that light and want to work their way back. This is part yeah. of their redirect in life. It's basically their whole psyche telling them that their life is not serving them. So now they've gone into this cold depression. My life isn't serving me. But they have to take the journey into embracing a life that will. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just changing that mindset to look at, no, that part of your life is over. But hell, look what's ahead of you. Just reach out for it. Yeah. Right? And find a, find a way and, you know, get them on a labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, they have to have that courage yes. to, to um, overcome um, what they're now comfortable with, this darkness or this yuckiness, and to go and search out different kinds of feelings that will come with a new journey, and it's okay. I mean, you know, the, the, the worst thing is, is knowing you've got a tool that can help somebody come out of it but they're so deep into it, they can't acknowledge anything. And uh, as I say, that is just like chiseling away at something that you know is their Achilles heel into joy. Um, you know, puppies, kids, ice cream, whatever it is. It's something yeah. that's going to kind of shift that perspective. And when you've got that mindset, it's just injecting that um, everybody has this uh, and, uh, and people can come everybody I've interviewed has had a redirect has had something in their life that you know tap them on the shoulder and saying you're not living authentically to what you're meant to be doing this is the path that you're meant to take um, and that's part of life's journey isn't it that yeah. courage to say I am not being true to who I am and I need to take that journey to discover what my true purpose is yes or that part of me no longer serves me yes I need to find something else now. It's, a, it's an end of a chapter in your life. It's not the end of your life. It, yes, it's a beginning. Yes. We need to create a new beginning and move forward. And to do that, we need to be open to discovery. Uh, we need to feel self-empowerment. Go and try things out. You never know. Exactly. The whole thing is, is that <coughs> everything comes to an ending. Um, because that means excitement, a new beginning. Yes. Yes. I love newness. And I wish I could tell people that change is constant. The oh. only thing that we're sure about um, life is change. And the thing is, is things are going to change all the time. If you are wanting something to be the same day in and day out for the rest of your life, you're not living. No. You're just playing it safe. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm 60. The amount of changes that I've had in my life and that I'm still going through, hell, is what keeps me going. You know, it means that life is still adventurous. There's still more to learn. There's still more to, to grow into. I don't want to be kind of sitting there in a rocking chair knitting and going, okay, it's over now. You know, hell no. <laughs> I've got some no. living to do. <laughs> I've knit it once and um, it's, it's, I'm done with it. I don't need to do more. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Life is about movement. It's that energy flow. We have to be in that energy. Otherwise, we ferment in our stagnation. You're, you're absolutely right. I'm trying to, I'm flipping through my book right now. It is filled with quotes and stories. Please share. And um, I'm trying to locate one. Just open the book and the one that's right there is the one that needs to be read. <laughs> okay, to live is to risk dying. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. To live is to risk dying. Yes, because we can't live to be just safe all the time. You know, we have to push those boundaries. We've got to feel alive. And the only way we're going to do that is by pushing those boundaries. That doesn't mean go off and do something stupid. Yes. But, you know, we've, death is inevitable for every one of us. But in understanding that death is inevitable and can happen any time, get out and live in your moment. Yes, I, um, you're right. I, I, I see more that uh, the question to ask is, how shall I live before I die? Rather yeah. than um, how to avoid dying. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't afford dying. It's, but it's so many people 
in a, in trying to avoid dying actually avoid living. Yes, you're right. Yes. Here I've got another one. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. This one's by Romy. Mm. Yes. Yes. Just what stay you wake up with in the morning, right, is kind of that message for your day. Yes, to stay awake, to stay alert, uh, to feel the energy in our body, to to allow for the experiences to happen. I love waking up, and I don't. I'm not one of these people. Eyes open and jump out of bed. I like to wake up and kind of feel my waking up. You know, what are my feelings? What are my visions? What residual dreams are still there? What's the message for the day? And then you kind of get up with like a, hmm, okay, what's in store today? And it's, you know, it just feels kind of that moment of greeting that new day. Hello, day. I have respect for you. Where are you going to take me? Yes, I love, particularly at this time of year, I love waking up, looking out the window, and there's the sunshine there, and yeah. I have trees in my garden. I love looking at the branches, particularly when there's a bit of wind and it's just going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I just love that. It's in the, such a nice state of transition. It's like before I jump out of bed and have to start my busy day, I'm there for a few seconds and I love those moments. And of course, you know, obviously when it gets to winter and here especially, you know, in, in good old BC Canada, we get a lot of rain a lot of dampness and you wake up and you go no I'm snug in my bed why do I want to get out there in that wind and that rain and you know again I think it's we have to look at it in a different way don't we is that that wind is clearing away everything and that rain is watering our very earth um, so we have to change the way we look at it although you know it's like wind and rain but we have to look at it without it what would we be I, I yeah I like uh, the autumn, and I like the different uh, different um, seasons. Yes, I I love spring, summer, and fall. So that leads winter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, buy a new coat. That's <laughs> a little warmer. You choose to live in Vancouver. It's the way it is. <laughs> it, it is, and and uh, many other places like that too. But you know, then that then that opens up to something different. Instead of outside. Okay, yeah. you can't go and do an outside uh, you know, uh, labyrinth now. You know, so what you could do is, is you know, a, as you said, go to a friend's house and, and have one that you can do on the floor there. Or um, even, you know, you could do a drawing of one up on the wall and take your hand around yes. it and around it and around it. Or have one individually where you kind of sit with a group and you do it together in a group there's so many other ways of doing it if you're stuck indoors and you can't go outside to do it yes there's lots of stuff that we can do with the labyrinths um yes in a group invite friends over uh, you can um actually you can um when i was writing my book i walked a uh, labyrinth i i have a labyrinth on my patio um that's set into bricks so nice. when i writing my book I, I had set a goal I wanted to finish I want to make certain I finish my book and I would there would be days of writing and with moments that I there's nothing coming out of me a, someone who calls himself a writer cannot sit there and have no words coming. <laughs> the writer's block yeah and I, I would walk down onto my labyrinth and I would walk it I did most of my writing in the winter so it, it's very cold out then mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could feel my fingers uh, becoming stiff uh, from the cold and and the tingling in my nose with the cold air, you know, um, wind on, cold wind on my face. However, after I walk my labyrinth, I can always push a little bit more and, and, and write a little bit longer. And it makes my writing delicious. Uh -huh. Well, that's the entunement. I mean, this is what we're talking about, is that if you're just going to write from your head, all you're doing is spewing data. And you always know those books because all they are is a manual. There is no heart and soul in it. When yeah. somebody shares something that really means something to them, that really becomes inspiring and enlightening, you then want to engage in it. So, yeah. you know, that's the difference between just writing from a head and writing from the soul, heart and spirit and head. Yes. Yes. Um, my book is filled with stories of women uh, and men who have walked the labyrinth and how the labyrinth has helped them heal. 
And, you know, we all need healing. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if we're spiritual teachers. We all need healing. Every single one of us at some point needs that, um, you know, that that beautiful spiritual arms of love and we find it in different ways you know some people in yoga some people in, in meditation this is a beautiful way of taking the meditation into the walking into the labyrinth whether you're walking with your finger or walking with your feet it is a different form of meditation that helps send to you helps you hear your inner voice helps calm you helps focus you and really in today's day and age where there's so much bombarded at us being still, being calm, being quiet, listening in, finding that inner peace is something that is essential to mankind. Yes. Man, I need to hire you as my marketer. <laughs> <laughs> you think it so well. Thank you. Yes. We need stillness, slow, silence, quiet. It's all good for us. Uh, the piece I picked up from you when you said about healing, we we think of healing as like you know trauma yeah. or some you know great big event that um, uh, great big negativity, but it doesn't doesn't have to be. I mean, it could be uh, just in conversation with someone and and you've taken a message the wrong way or that person said something and it's landed the wrong way for you and it's bugged you. Mm -hmm. um, so it can be something that is could be even trivial and you know it logically you know it but it's bugging you so how do we get rid of it or let go of it meditation walking meditation in the labyrinth helps yes yes and because we've got to realize is that that was that person's angst it don't take it personally Yes. You know, it's uh, if somebody is being disgruntled at you, it's more to do with themselves. Um, if you have said something that's upset them, then own it. But if they're just dumping on you, it's their issue that they're just, you know, using you as a garbage disposal and just refuse to do so and don't take it personally. But, you know, you do have to, if you don't spend it, as I say, if we don't spend the emotion, that emotion builds up inside of us and then loses any sense of reasoning and can get really, really detrimental to us. So we must spend the emotion. There's a brilliant movie out there right now, which I'm telling everybody to go and see, which is Inside Out. Inside um, Out. It's an animated movie. Um, I've sent coaches and psychiatrists and, and psychologists to see it, and they've come back to me and going, "We're using this movie as a as a, a, an even a reference of understanding people's emotion, because basically what the movie is about is that we have all of these emotions. They're not to be suppressed. They come up to tell us what the problem is or, or where we're at. So if anger comes up or fear comes up indifference comes up there is a reason for it so understand that reason and deal with it don't suppress it don't ignore it but at the same time don't feed it and let it grow yes you're right it's um yes it's um or hatred or anger yeah. like a scab the more you pick it the, the more it uh, becomes more damaged and like the way you say about feeding it um, it, they have a way of their powerful emotions, you know, resentment, bitterness, yeah. hate, um, anger. It it can suck the life out of you, and all you would it, you could uh, lose your focus, and that's what you um yeah you you have to figure out a way to deal with them, to um, work it out, and walking meditation, allowing the emotions to flow through you, uh, allowing the thoughts to drift by. Uh, walking help meditation helps to uh, decrease the um, the power in those negative emotions, so that it's easier for you to look at them. And the thing is, is if you take the emotion out of that and then look at it for what it is, you can actually see where it's coming from. You know what is the real issue, and then you can look at it more objectively. Okay, okay, I didn't know I felt like that. I didn't know my response would be like that. This is clearly something I need to pay attention to. But to deny our emotions or deny that there are some issues that we have is selfish and ignorant because it means that now you're going to impose all of that on other people and why should they accept that? You know, I, one thing I cannot stand is ignorant hatred. People who just hate for the sake of hating in ignorance 
I, you know, have a very, very little tolerance of that. We all have to take ownership for our own actions, our own words, our own thoughts. And we actually have to have some a little intellect behind the things we say and react to. Not just carte blanche, pour it out, stupid, ignorant hatred that is hurtful and spiteful. Yes. Yes, I, yeah. Ignorance and, and the hatred are the, um, the emotions that are really hard to deal with. Yes, because you know they have to own it, and and of course people who are ignorant and full of hate uh, are always passing the buck. They don't own anything. Yes, thank you. You're right. So you know when it comes down to it, you can only help people that are willing to help themselves. That's right. It's yes, only those people who are willing to help themselves, and only those people who question or examine their own life. What is their purpose on earth? Is it to cause damage to others, or is it to build a better world? Um, uh, I can only help those who can help themselves, who want to help themselves. Exactly, and that's the whole thing, is that you can shed that light on, on a solution. Uh, you can show people the way out, but until they're willing to stand up and take that hand that's been offered them, um, they're never going to get out of where they're at. There are some people that just simply love to live in the drama, uh, or, you know, uh, or so paralyzed by the fear that they can't see any way out. All you can do is keep shedding that light until maybe one day it will melt through. But ultimately, as human beings, we have to take ownership and responsibility for our own actions, which means our own happiness. And if life isn't serving us, if we're depressed, we're unhappy, we're in the wrong place, then we have to change our thought pattern and go, okay, this isn't working for me. What can I do to find my right direction? And, you know, the labyrinth walking is something that's so simple. As I said, either walking it with your finger with an apparatus in your hand or physically walking it, you know, is something that helps you get out of your mind chatter and despondency into listening to your heart and your soul so your spirit knows where to take you but we really have to be willing to put in the work don't we we do it you really have yeah the work is a big piece it's a lot uh, we have to be patient and we have to pers persevere uh, new directions do come uh, however you do need uh, patience and work with yourself and allow new things to emerge it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. It's a journey. Life is a journey. And, you know, uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, the labyrinth may be something that really resonates with a lot of people. I really like this. This really does it for me. And for other people, it doesn't. That's the whole reason of that wonderful diversity is um, try things out. You don't know what's going to be your fit or what's going to serve you unless you're willing to try. So, you know, read your book, Walking the Labyrinth. Try uh, even one of the small apparatuses if you can't, um, you know, do the big walk right now. Give it a try. And it isn't like, I tried it once and it didn't work. You've got to try things and immerse yourself into it. Give it a chance. Um, and then see what it does for you. Because you don't know what things can do for you if you're not willing to participate. You have to be willing to work with a new tool. Yeah. Uh, my book will tell you a bit of the history of labyrinth uh, from different per, uh, cultural perspectives and it will tell you how to walk a labyrinth, a guideline to walking a labyrinth, uh, how to draw one at home if you don't have one, uh, a directory for all the local labyrinths in town and stories of how the labyrinths have helped um, both men and women. And when it comes down to it, when somebody else has had such a wonderful result with something, that is always an invitation and an inspiration for somebody else. You know, it's worked for them, oh, I'll give it a try. And that's part of, you know, that wonderful thing of life of sharing, you know, what works for us. Um, because, okay, it worked for Joe, let's give it a try and see if it will work for me. Uh, and you see such a difference in somebody that you knew who's now doing it, that didn't do it before, then, you know, that's the beauty of it. If something's working for you, share it. Yes. Yes. Um, I just lost a thought. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. The, uh, the labyrinth works. Um, I've, yeah, 
these uh, the book is filled with stories of how the labyrinth have helped uh, folks who have um, experienced some challenges or transitions in life. Um, here's one of a of a woman who um, was in what she describes as an awful marriage. Uh, she has children and did not know and all the different questions are running through her head as she's trying to decide uh, what to do about her marriage. Uh, she was it's she's near the end of the, her marriage whether she should stay or she should uh, leave and what to do about her um, the kids. She walked the labyrinth on a weekly basis and the last time she walked it prior to making her decision she said um, whatever insight I get from the labyrinth, I will accept. And she um, chose to leave her husband. It took eight years for her to rebuild a new life. And so, uh, one that she was very happy with. Uh, she has a new new interest, new focus in her life. She, she talks about moving forward. She has goals. She has dreams rather than this constant argument and not being able to uh, see anything other than frustration. Right. Yeah, what I'm trying right. to tell people is that it took her eight years. In the eight years time, she kept walking labyrinths. She is still walking labyrinths. It helps her remain calm and stay focused and grounded and help her to connect with herself. So what I'm saying, it is a process. You have to keep trying and keep using uh, tools that and uh, help you to stay calm. And of course, let's let's also understand it wasn't eight years of miserable, then eight years later happiness. It no. was just no. a different That's degree of happiness yeah. happening over the eight years. And yeah. at this eight-year mark now, she can actually say, well, those happinesses have come together and I'm where I want to be. But it doesn't mean, you know, a lot of people go, oh, eight years. Yes. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to give it that amount of time. Well, the time is going to be how quickly you adapt to it, how quickly yeah. you adopt it. Um, how quickly things are meant to unravel in your life. If you're looking at, you know, eight years to write her book, so to speak, each yes. one of those years is a different chapter and different things happen and different progresses happen. So it's not like I'm miserable one moment and, and in eight years I'll be happy. It's understanding the process of that journey and the different degrees of happiness that come along the way. Yes. Yes, you're right. It's a different degree, different intensity. Um, um, Focus on the on the journey versus just the the goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, it's not about you reaching a destination. Um, even if you reach a goal and a destination, you're only meant to be there for a while before there's a new chapter in your life. So it is about the the one step in in front of the other. It is about where you are today. What are you meant to learn today? What has today got to teach you? And if we're in that moment, if we're in that today. We will build beautiful memories for tomorrow. Yes, each day is a it's a brand new opportunity to learn something, to do something about where we want to go, how we wish to live a life, and each day it's a is a building onto a new direction. Exactly, new possibly new experiences. It's wonderful. And of course, you didn't know this was going to lead you along this way. You just, you know, started using them. And then, the, of course, now it's become, you know, you've become that, you know, advocate for the labyrinth and, and the teacher. Um, and because you're using it, you knew you had to share it and then, you know, teach other people how to use it. So this was part of your journey. Yes, it is. And I'm not done. I'm continuing learning on how to um, spread the joys, the benefits of walking labyrinths. I'm continuously learning how to do that, meeting different folks, um, telling people about the labyrinths, using different words um, to, to get the message stick. You know, walk the labyrinth, it's good for you. I think this would be great for, for them to put in school playgrounds, it would be great to put into the prison play, you know, prison grounds. Um, you know, anywhere there where there is kind of that high stress level, universities, you know, just to have a fixture there and encouraging people to use it. And then actually having people who do use it kind of share what it's doing for them. 
Yes. You know, um, you know, if somebody's stressed out or a kid is stressed out, have them go and walk the labyrinth, come back in, how do you feel now? This is the feeling where you want to be. So you know every time you get stressed, whether it's in the middle of a class, go out and take a walk, come back and you'll be calmer, instead of rattling and all these other things. Yes, you're right. Uh, did I tell you I built a labyrinth with Forest Grove Elementary School? They're the first school in the Lower Mainland to have a labyrinth on site. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. And we need to see it, more of that. Yes. So the, the, um, I was um, lucky to have the opportunity to train the staff and, and uh, you know, all the teachers and principal and parents on how to uh, walk the labyrinth to get the optimal benefits. And that's the whole point is that it's a simple tool for teachers or, you know, or prison guards or even corporations. They could build one, you know, um, you know in their complex. The whole thing about it, it's a lovely tool that, you know, once you've taught people how to use it, it doesn't cost anything more after that, you know, um, unless you have somebody there that then, that, you know, I think every counsellor should know how to use it and how to encourage their people to use it as an additional tool to what they have. Um, yeah. You know, it's not, you know, your one tool fits all is that there are many tools and the more you offer, you know, the more you're actually going to invite people to find the tool that suits them. Um, yeah. And you know, we need to see more of this type of thing out there so people can actually reach out to something that makes sense to them, that helps center them, that helps calm them down, that helps build them up, helps focus them. And the more we do that, the less stressful society we have. Yes. Uh, this is an invitation to all our listeners. Uh, if you know of any organization, uh, whether corporate, nonprofit, or uh, government, and uh, they are interested in in a in reducing stress or in learning about the labyrinths and building one, to send them my way, and I'd be delighted to be in touch with them. Um, we can make a more calmer, peaceful world. Yeah. Exactly. And on that note, will you let everybody know your site, how they can buy the book, um, how they can book you for your speaking engagements, um, you know, how they can join your courses, all of that. My name is Diana Ng. I'm known as the Labyrinth Lady in the city of Surrey because I built that 42 feet diameter labyrinth in Fleetwood Park uh, with the city of Surrey. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's majestic. And as the years go by, I see the path uh, being worn, which is great. Now it looks even better because uh, I know people are using it. Yeah. Uh, my website is www.labyrinthlady.ca. L-A-B-Y-R-I-N-T-H-L-A-D-Y.ca. And... On it, you'll be able to connect with me via Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. I even have a YouTube um, station. And send me an email. Uh, my contact form is on my website. Again, labyrinthlady.ca. I love to have conversation. Uh, visit one of my social media to stay in touch. And um, we'll go from there. Exactly. So, you know, folks, we're always looking for that solution. We're always looking for that something that's just going to help us de-stress our lives, help us focus in more to the meaning of why we're here, um, our purpose and what we're really meant to be doing. And the only way we're going to do that is from the inside out. And if you don't calm your outside, you're never going to listen to what your inside is trying to tell you. So this is a wonderful way of doing it, whether you have a big one that you can use outside or a big one that you can walk around with the family or even one held in your hand that you can just use anytime you're feeling stressed. Um, this is a wonderful way of kind of getting tuned in. So please uh, look her up, the labyrinthlady.ca, Diana Ng, and that's NG. And, uh, you know, just explore it. See what it can do for you. Give it a gift to somebody you know that's going through a great deal of stress. Um, maybe do it with them and, and then talk about how it's made you feel afterwards. Uh, it's another beautiful tool that really could fit someone's life and you never know until you try it. So thank you so much for being with me, Diane. I've, I've had a blast. Can I um, tell people one other thing? Please? Yes. Um, uh, every year I facilitate a peace walk. I uh, work with the city council 
to uh, proclaim the first Saturday of each May as as um, Surrey World Labyrinth Day. So on the first Saturday of each May at one o'clock, I get everyone to come out to walk as one. And again, that's uh, one of um, a way that I built our community and I again send the message of the need for peace, calm um, in our community. Exactly. And again, folks, it's there for you. Um, if you're in Surrey, go and take a walk there, try it out, see how it feels for you. Um, and, you know, uh, there are many, many solutions out there in the world, but you've got to reach out. You've got to try them. You've got to give your all to them so that they can really replenish you and uh, give what you need. So thank you so much, Diane, for being with us. And um, thank you for bringing the labyrinth to us. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a delight. Thanks again. I and can do it again. <laughs> yes, most certainly. We'll have to do a round table one day. Um, so folks, if the answers are there, um, just don't ignore them. Don't go back into your woe is me. Step up, take ownership, try something out, and you never know where it could lead you. Until next time, bye for now. <laughs>